Welcome to Me, Myself, and Millie, a podcast that gives light and levity to infertility and different pathways to parenthood. I'm your host, Millie Brooks, coming at you from the San Francisco Bay Area. And our guest today is Michael Johnson Ellis, also known as Two Dads UK on Instagram, um, calling in from across the pond. Welcome, Michael. Hello, how are you? Do you guys use that? Did I use the the phrase across the pond correctly? Yeah, we 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 always use it when we're talking about our our friends over over that way. So yeah, good. I wanted to make you feel at home, so I wanted to use a phrase that you know really really made you feel comfortable. Um, I also am just going to put out there: my husband is from the UK. No, I did not know this. Yes, he is from South South Seaside, Bournemouth area. Okay, nice. Near the yes. coast? Yep, near the coast. So um, he's kind of a coastal person. He, you know, moved from over there to San Francisco and loves the coasts. Oh, I love San Francisco. We, we, We've been over there recently just um, doing some bits and pieces. And, oh, my gosh, we fell in love with San Francisco. It's so oh, beautiful. Yes. It will steal your heart it and is. your paycheck. And I was going to say my wallet and my <laughs> heart was stolen. Yes. Literally within minutes. I'm like, where's that going? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, for people who do not know who you are, give us a little background on your family, how you built your family, and what it looks like today. Okay, cool. Thank you. Well, firstly, look, thanks for, for, for bringing me on. This is really cool and really sweet. Thank you. Um, so as you said, I'm Michael. I'm out to Wes, and we have been together since June 2012. Um, we we met at our local Pride um, in Birmingham in, in, in the UK, and um, it was fairly instant when we met that I kind of knew that I'd met someone that, you know, I was going to build my life with and and hopefully a family with. Um, And Wes already had a child from his ex-wife. So um, Katie, who is now 17, she was uh, seven at the time when I met her. Um, I remember I had the conversation really early on with Wes about me wanting children and wanting a family. And uh, Wes was open to that. And we built our family with the help of uh, an amazing gestational surrogate. Um, and we had surrogacy in the UK, which um, unlike the US, uh, it isn't commercialized, it's altruistic. Um, and the surrogate will carry your child and you reimburse them reasonable expenses. So uh, it's a little bit different to how it works in the US, um, considerably cheaper. Um, but you don't have some of the added protection of uh, of some of the laws that you have in the US. So when a surrogate gives birth in the UK, she is classed as the legal parent until you apply for something called a parental order, which we'll talk about later. Um, but uh, we have two kids together. So we have Tallulah, who's five, um, and we have Duke, um, who is two. And... Um, I'm biologically linked to our daughter and Wes is biologically linked to our son. 
Um, and we had to live in 2016 and Duke was born in 2019. And throughout our entire journey of building our family, we wanted to blog and, 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 and talk about the experience with the hope that we could help other people build a family and see what our family looked like. So they knew that just because they were uh, either struggling with their fertility or that, that they were from the LGBTQ plus community, that surrogacy was an option for them. So that's why we decided to put our life out there and to um, do all the work that we do for that particular community. I love it. I love it. I um, I am unfamiliar with what a typical surrogacy journey looks like in the UK. Can you kind of break that down for us? Of course. So as I've mentioned, surrogacy in the UK is altruistic. So what that means is that it's only reasonable expenses and no company in the UK can profit from surrogacy. It all has to be non-profit. Um, and surrogacy in the UK was is the way it is because of a law called the Surrogacy Arrangements Act of 1985. And this is an act that was rushed through Parliament because um, a lady had a baby back in 1985, um, Baby C, um, as he was known, and the government kind of thought, oh my gosh, what's just happened? We need to get laws to stop people doing this. So uh, a, a terrible law was rushed through to put people off doing commercial surrogacy. Um, that law had a few amendments over the years, um, but essentially surrogacy if you want to approach surrogacy in the uk you can either approach there are four organizations that can support you on that journey um or you can do what's classed as an independent journey and an independent journey essentially is when you go alone so you find your clinic you find your egg donor you'll find your own surrogate you get your own legal advice and you package it all together in your own way um it's a minefield it's it's a heck of a task to do um but some people that may be more budget conscious or some people that just like control might like to just do do that particular uh, route um so yeah surrogacy is growing in popularity here there's around about sort of five six hundred children a year being born in the uk through surrogacy so again much smaller numbers than elsewhere um but with the advocacy work and the campaigning work that we that we do, more and more people can understand that it is it is a way to family build. Um, the majority of people will um, create their family through gestational surrogacy rather than traditional surrogacy, um, which is still really popular in the UK. So the difference being, gestational carriers will obviously you, you most more often than not have IVF and the surrogate is not biologically linked to that child, whereas traditional surrogacy, the surrogate will use their own egg and will more often than not um, home inseminate um, to get pregnant. So that's... And is that what you guys did? No, we did gestational. So you we did had gestational. Egg, we okay. had an egg donor and we had IVF um, because we wanted the flexibility of freezing embryos, hopefully, and we wanted the flexibility of... Um, making sure we we chose a, a healthy embryo and that we could freeze some for for later on down the line so that's why we chose gestational surrogacy and at the time 
we didn't want a genetic link between surrogate and child. Um, now, that's that's less of a problem than I now know, than what I thought it was. I was massively naive and probably a little bit too judgmental. Um, whereas if you look at some of the data from the UK, there is no any more risk in, in traditional surrogacy than there is in gestational. And maybe the fear being that, that you know, surrogate would want to keep the child if it was genetically linked? Yeah, is that... that- yeah, and you know, embarrassingly so. Yes, that was a fear. Um, that is just not the case. That's not how surrogacy is. Gen- you know, now, if you look at it in the US and in Canada and in and the UK, surrogates don't want to keep babies. You know, surrogates want to hand these babies back to their parents. But I was very naive and new to surrogacy, and and like every intended parent, thinks that that is their their biggest fear. Yeah. That, will happen whereas you know we, we we know from the data that in the UK like in less than two percent of cases have ended that way mm-hmm. so it's, it's a it's a tiny tiny risk um you know there are cases equally in number that intended parents um leave their pregnant surrogate so you know it, it happens on the reverse and I think mm. we often Talk about that. We always talk about what if the surrogate wants to keep the baby. Well, rather than finger pointing at the surrogate, let's also look at the intended parents and make sure that's that that's a great point. Yeah, that's make a sure great that point. Really strong enough to go through treatment and that is not going to leave a surrogate pregnant because it happens and mm-hmm. that's just repulsive. Um, yeah. But you have, treatment is hard going you know whoever you are that you've got to be strong when you're going into this with your eyes wide open how do the rights differ for lgbtq plus couples wishing to pursue surrogacy thankfully they don't anymore so they're exactly the same oh Uh, good yeah so in 2010 um a parental order the parental order process was changed so that um, people from my community could apply for a parental order. Um, and we started to see the numbers increase for gay surrogacy, mainly well, from the um, Marriage Equality Act in 2014. We started to see the numbers increasing um, to, the, to the point of where it peaked that a third of all of those cases were were two gay men. Um, so when you look back at some of the data from 2002, um, it was like less than 5% of cases were, were to gay people. Um, but that number is over a third now. So it's, and it's rising. So um, really great that it's completely equal. Um, uh, but it didn't, it, it never used to be. In 2019, um the the law changed to allow single men and single women to um, apply for a parental order or or mm. they're non-binary. Um, so a single person's parental order was allowed in 2019, which again um, was crazy that, that wasn't even allowed. You know, um, yeah, couldn't apply for a parental order, but they can now, thankfully. So yeah, completely equal. Okay, good. Um, well, give us a little bit of glimpse into the social reform 
that you and Wes are kind of trying to do in the UK? Um, like what steps are you taking? Where do you begin with kind of trying to shift certain, the, th- the work that you're doing? Sure. So we were very active on, on our Instagram and on our Facebook and on Twitter when we were um, having and building our first child and our family. Uh, and we got we got noticed on a couple of um, quite high profile brand campaigns initially. And that's how we came on the radar of certain people. Um, and it was about that point when we got asked by um, the all party parliamentary group, the APPG, which is a cross party collaboration um, forming group that contacted us to go to the Houses of Parliament to give essentially our account of what it was like being two dads. And they were like, look, we'd like to hear your your viewpoint on surrogacy laws and how you think they need to change and what do we need to consider if we were to consider a new law. So that was great news. It was putting the... And when was this? What year? So that was in 20... That first meeting was probably in 2017. That first meeting so there's more oh my god guys buckle up i i mean guys settle in we're we're in for some stories i can't believe you talked to parliament i know so we got we got asked to go that was a surreal moment and uh we 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 gave our account we got asked then to go back to some further meetings to do some roundtable discussions with other other campaigners and other people from various communities, so single people, um, uh, people that were surrogates and people that were egg donors and people that were also from organisations that were also campaigning. Um, But our voice was specifically for intended fathers. Um, So the all-party parliamentary group led the surrogacy law reform Um, And then in 2018, um, the Law Commissioners for England and Wales and the Law Commission for Scotland um, also decided that they also saw a great need here and the reform needed doing urgently. So we got asked to um, participate in and sit on their parenting panel. Um, I think there were four of us. And we gave our accounts again of what that was, what that was like being two men and how was it discriminating? How does the law need to change? And I, I personally went on their national road show. So I sat on their panel around the UK and we, we went to um, open sort of mic um consultancy um events that were planned where I thought you were gonna talk about an open mic event at Parliament. And I <laughs> I wish. Can you imagine? They wouldn't let me do that. Um, so we we did these uh, consultations around the UK and the public came to hear about how the laws were changing. And there were people there that were for surrogacy. There were people there that were very anti-surrogacy. But they came to hear what, what the law commissioner's proposals would look like potentially. And the, the proposal was incredibly detailed um, and incredibly thorough. And one of the, the greatest things that was coming out of these, these, these consultations was the fact that we were being listened to 
as intended parents, as surrogates, as healthcare professionals, that um, the law wasn't fit for purpose and intended parents were being discriminated against. And it was really tricky to, when you were a surrogate, to find out how you even become a surrogate because it's illegal to advertise for surrogates in the UK. So it was, again, trying to let people see the sense of why laws needed to change. The biggest the biggest issue that everybody has was the, the, the parental responsibility. So you, you are not the legal parent to your own child when it's born um, because your surrogate is. And if she is married, um, her spouse is also the other legal parent. So they share no genetics potentially, but mm. she is the legal parent. So that process is quite a, 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 a concerning and a daunting and a worrying period for intended parents because you have to put a lot of trust and faith and, and friendship in to building that relationship so you understand that everyone's on the same page. Um, oh, yeah. So it was, that was two years of campaigning and, 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 and you know, researching and um, speaking to people about the law reform and what it means. And, and we've been really active in, in that since that very day in Parliament. And that was why we do what we do. And it's why we, we were so passionate about surrogacy generally. Um, and, you know, we, we also are really honest about the fact that we understand that there are countries where surrogacy is absolutely exploitative and that's abhorrent and we're against that. Um, you know, what we are for is you know, surrogacy that's consented, that is, you know, really ethical and safe and the access to it is really, really clear and everyone receives legal advice and everyone receives counselling and support. We're all about the welfare of that surrogate and um, there are, for obvious reasons, a lot of people that are anti-surrogacy and uh, and often that's because their interpretation of what surrogacy is is very different to what the reality of surrogacy is. And um, that's something that, again, we're, we're really, really passionate about talking about. And where is it today? Like, are we, what, what kind of movement have you guys been able to make? So we have, um, there's a few things that we've done. So in terms of the law reform, um, the the law commissioner's consultation closed in October 2019, and they are still writing their report on what that consultation um, yields with a view that the draft bill and the new law will be uh, released to the general public in all in autumn of 2022. So we're still 12 months away. Um, but that new law, um, we are assured, will be in Parliament and sworn in 2023, um, winter of all being well. So the, the law is changing and the parental responsibility, as well as a whole load of other bits and pieces, were seen as not fit for purpose. So the the achievement was the fact that Parliament saw the fact that the, this has to change and that it's anti-family and is not reflective of modern Britain and therefore altruistic surrogacy in the UK needs to look different and that has been successful. 
Um, what we've later gone on to do as Two Dads UK is we've campaigned for policy change um, and we worked with the Department of Health to rewrite um, guidance for healthcare professionals in the UK, which was a document which was issued to every single healthcare professional to enable them to use the correct language when dealing with surrogates and intended parents in, in a hospital setting. Um, that was rolled out initially in 2018 and then was updated in 2019 when some changes to the law happened with a single person's parental order. Um, and then, because we like a challenge, we, <laughs> we, we wanted to make sure that every healthcare professional in the UK had seen this and had read it and their employer had implemented it. So we wrote to every hospital in the UK to make sure, and there were 137 hospitals with maternity services that would be caring for surrogates and intended parents. So we wrote to them to ask how many of you had seen this and implemented it. And it was less than 8% had. Oh, uh, wow. No. So that was like, oh, gosh. this That's is disappointing. So we gave them a challenge to implement a new policy and a policy that was reflective of the guidance within six months, or we would be taking each of them to court and do a full judicial review. Oh my gosh, you guys came in guns a blazing. I love it. I mean, and we we didn't we weren't suing them for any financial benefit. We just wanted them to change the bloody policy, you know? Like, mm-hmm. come on, just look, you know, this is by not having a policy, you're not educating your your team about how to talk to a surrogate properly, about how to how to engage with intended parents, because it's just it wasn't being done properly. You know, babies were being exchanged on car parks because hospitals oh. weren't allowing it done on site. Oh, man. But, but the great news was we were successful and we got 98% of NHS trusts adapting and writing a policy and educating all of their teams around. Well so we done. All, all bar two hospitals, which we're still talking to, to to work through their challenges. But yeah, it was really successful. And as a result, there's a a more inclusive policy for everyone. Wow, that's a massive difference going from 8% to 98%. Yeah, it was a a challenge. It was was an absolute challenge, but we we got there in the end, thankfully. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, um, and so you would say the biggest thing about all of this is like, you know, hospitals understanding the correct language to use, um, how to support people in that po- in that position, and then also um, the parental order after delivery, correct? So that has a lot to do with birth certificate stuff. Yeah. So when when it, when the child is born, they will be issued their birth certificate once you've registered that birth, and that and the surrogate will be on that certificate, and then their their, their spouse will be if she's married. Um, so then that process to get a new certificate essentially is the parental order. So yeah, that there are the they're the, the key elements that you need to consider. Um but again, depending on your route to how you build your family, whether you choose an organization or whether you do this independently, um it can be really challenging and, and, and a real 
mission of a journey uh, where people often make mistakes. We did. People often spend more money than they need to. We did. Um, you know, and people find it really challenging on their relationship. And we absolutely did. You know, we it nearly broke me and my husband um, because, um, again, no one, no one was preparing us for this was still facility treatment. And it's still, you know, it's, it's still a roll of a dice. Um, and that is financially draining and emotionally draining. And we just we didn't have anyone with their arms around us just saying, you know what, you've got this and, and this is what's going to happen now. And this is how to prepare for it. And, and that's what we wanted to change. We wanted to make sure that emotional support and practical support and education was greater accessible. Uh, and that's why we, we, we launched a surrogacy organization to, to exactly do that. Mm, that's wonderful. I know that matters to a lot of people here that I've spoken to on the podcast, um, you know, part of the queer community looking for help building their families. They want either their clinics or their agencies to be very loud and proud about their, you know, LGBTQ, um, you know, portion of the organization. You know, that's really important for them. Um, because when it's kind of hidden, you know, you have to like search through everything. You have to call, you have to say it's, it's not, they're like, oh gosh, now I have to educate people on, you know, the process of everything. And that's just not what people want to do. No. And, um, that is a perfect segue actually, Millie, um, because it is really challenging because, you firstly you don't think that you can family build in the first place because you think that are there rules and laws and issues that stop me from doing so and which hospitals which clinics or which doctors will want to work with me because I may be gay or lesbian or trans or non-binary and how am I going to fit into a heteronormative pathway um, and some people give up you know some people choose you know, to have that whole social infertility and and choose not to have children because the trauma of going through it is just enough in itself. Um, and that's when um, we decided to do something about that in the UK initially. And that was why we created um, the only LGBTQ family building show in Europe called The Modern Family Show. Um, and it was an educational event that would guide and support the entire community through family building, whether it was adoption or foster to adopt or fostering or fertility preservation or IVF or IUI or donation or surrogacy. We wanted to put on three stages of educational content with advocates that had been there and have lived that, that, that road that could talk to people and give them faith and hope and confidence that this is possible. So we wanted to connect all of the all of the people that we've met over the last five years, all of the contacts that we've made, and just share that little black book with a room full of people and go, do you know what? You know, boys and girls and everyone in between, just go for it. Go in, go and and, and find someone in this book that is going to help you. And and that's what we what we chose to do. And and it was really successful and we you know we had nearly 500 people come along and and listen and take advice and 
and and that were really appreciative of of of, of what that was going to look like and do for them. So um, that was amazing. And that show was it a performance or was it an a video like a you know an actual televised thing? So it was like a big expo. Um, so uh, organizations would come and we had people come from the States. We had people come from Europe and, and from the UK. And they would all give talks or talk about family building or give educational advice and support. Um, and it was a one day event um, that took place on the 18th of September. It's happening in 2022. Um and it was just a real uplifting um, mixture of people that would educate others about what it's like to be a parent. And these were the routes that were available. So imagine like an expo, but with um, brunch thrown in, loads of glitter. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and loads. You, had, you had me at brunch. <laughs> and loads of just cool people just all in the same boat just desperate for a child and confused how to get there so yeah that is the modern family show I love it well now we're going to um pivot to the Elton John portion of the conversation I really I'm really committed to getting a big name celebrity to back you guys. And the first person that came to mind was Sir Elton John. Um, where is he when you need him? I mean, he had a surrogacy journey and it was actually quite complicated for mm. him. Yeah, it, it was. And, um, you know, I've, I've reached out to Sir Elton on a number of projects, but I'm still yet to hear. Um, but I, you know, we, we want to do one of the other projects that we're working on in the UK is called Positive Surrogacy. Um, and it's an initiative where we're trying to change the law for HIV positive people to access surrogacy in the UK because you can't. You, If you're HIV positive, even if you're undetectable and on retroviral medication, you can't do surrogacy in the UK. Um, you can only go to the US or to Canada or to Cyprus. Um, and that's really expensive to do. Um, and it's it's massively discriminatory, and we are working with a number of organisations to to produce a a very thorough white paper with the backing of some senior clinical staff in the UK. Um, and I reached out to the Elton John AIDS Foundation to actually say, you know what, this is this is hugely discriminatory, and they really liked what we were trying to do. They agreed with it, so I'm just waiting to hear whether they want to fully back it. Um, because it's so unfair and it's just unnecessarily discriminatory um, that, that people just cannot access surrogacy. You can access IVF if you're HIV mm. positive, but if you want to do surrogacy, you can't because surrogacy is classed as a donation um, and donated gametes that um, are infected with HIV that are still undetectable, um, which therefore means untransmissible, um, still can't be used so wow it's, it's annoying wow well i really hope they get back to you me too i would love <laughs> to. i would i, would, I just want to i just want to you know obviously i want to hang out with elton and david but i yeah. and i want to kids obviously <laughs> um but i 
but I uh, I wanted to get behind this cause. You know, this is this is huge. This is there are so many people that that that, that need this, and yeah, it's, it's just out of order. Yeah, and their you know their presence could carry a lot of weight. You know, absolutely throughout everything for sure. Um, I kind of want to shift over to a little bit more about in general in other parts of Europe, um, the surrogacy situation, because in prepping for this interview, you know, I did a little bit of research on Sir Elton John and his situation. And it looks like he tried to adopt an HIV positive baby, um, from the Ukraine, but it was rejected from the Ukraine government because him and his partner were not seen as a um, recognized as a legitimate marriage. Yeah, a traditional couple in that. Yeah, sense. like, do you? What other parts of Europe are sort of rooted in these? Like, oh, unfortunately, these- unfortunately, most of Europe is. Um, so surrogacy is either banned or illegal in most states within Europe and, and in places where you just wouldn't expect it, like France, Spain, Germany. You would expect those Germany. Yeah, you would expect those countries to be very um to not either have it illegal or banned. Um but yeah it's and it and it often plays, you know, religion unfortunately plays a part in that. Um but yeah, so so people from those countries tend to go to the US to do surrogacy, um, and then they have uh, a fairly complicated entry back into their own country because it, it, it's either a birth order change or or having to go through a complicated adoption route once they go and enter because they won't have parental responsibility of their children when they enter their own country that needs to be still recognized by the country they return to um so surrogacy across europe um is unfortunately few and far between um intended parents will usually have to travel um but yeah they will definitely um, have to look elsewhere for surrogacy. Mm. That's so unfortunate. Like it, it, it just feels like you have to climb Mount Everest in order to, to find, you know, to build this family that is just so conveniently, you know, can be conveniently created for somebody else, you know? It's yeah. Just- it's- and, and I think especially when um, when you're looking at surrogacy, because if you're joining surrogacy from um, a heterosexual point of view, you, you're coming at it from loss and heartache and, and and miscarriage and infertility. So you're you're worn out. You just want someone to help you. Um, when you're coming at it from from an LGBTQ point of view, you're really excited, you're joyous, it's a celebration, you can't wait to start. So the two are very different, um, but equally have had their own struggles to get to that point. Um, And, you know, I will forever be gay and I will forever be an advocate for surrogacy and I will forever want to help people have children this way because it's, I love doing it, I get, so much pleasure you know we've helped over 320 people become parents through surrogacy since 2016 um it's a real calling that i i love 
just me and my husband just adore doing what we do. It's not a job, you know. This is a real joyous um, task that we get asked to be involved in. It's just gorgeous. And I imagine you said that it doesn't feel like a job. I mean, do you guys have separate jobs outside of this or is this your main focus? So we used to. So I have a medical recruitment business that specializes in the fertility sector. And when and Wes um, was working for um, a football club in the in the UK, um, he is a project manager and specializes in large scale events. Um, so when we launched Two Dads UK, I was I had a, a real job. Uh, as what I like to call it. And then we, this got bigger and bigger and busier. And then we launched the Modern Family Show. And then we launched My Surrogacy Journey. And then we launched our podcast. And, and this then became um, our our work. You know, we, we were helping so many people on a regular basis that we, you know, we're, we're doing, you know, 15 consultations a week. And that number is increasing. And we we have, we now have a team of 15 that work with us and support us um so it's just it's just grown now and and it it now has become our our main focus and job wow and how do you guys make money like grants donations or you know is there a a payment that people need to make so anyone through Two Dads UK, that's completely free of charge. Um, we don't charge for any of those services for support. So for signposting accurate information and, and good clinics, we'll, we'll point people in directions. We don't receive any referral fees from lawyers or clinics or doctors. So we don't take any kickbacks from anybody. Um, what, what I do, so I create content and write content for the fertility industry in the UK. So certain clinics will work with me and pay me a, a fee to produce content for them. Um, so that funds Two Dads UK. And then we do brand collaborations on Two Dads UK. You know, we've worked with the likes of Audi and we've worked with some big supermarkets and some, you know, baby brands and pharmaceutical companies. Um, so that then produces an income. And then Modern Family Show, that's an expo. So people pay to come and exhibit um, uh, and sponsor the event. So that that's how that makes um, it, it itself and makes itself an uh, operation. And my surrogacy journey, people pay a membership fee uh, for us to help them fully concierge and manage their surrogacy journey, as well as finding a surrogate for them. So um, each of them have their own way to produce revenue. My surrogacy journey is a non-profit and Two Dads UK and um, the Modern Family Show is profit making. Got it. Now, throughout all of this reform and change, what has been, what has felt like the biggest setback? Oh, the biggest setback. Um I think the biggest setback is um, the impact on Brexit. I hate using the B word, but the impact on Brexit in the UK for the law reform um, pushed things back two years. Because as soon as that started to happen, 
you know, any law reform of any kind was insignificant. So, so many, um, so many great pieces of new legislation just got moved down the pile because of the B word. And that was, that was heartbreaking to see. Um, I think it had knock-on effects because, you know, we didn't just have Brexit. We had a, a government change as well, a new prime minister, um, and then COVID hit. So, again, all of these unforeseen circumstances just meant that uh, the, the reform was just going to take a back seat. So that was hard to watch because you felt you felt quite helpless. Um and you could see the impact on what that was doing for for people, and then and then unfortunately there was the whole COVID effect generally on how that affected the trying to conceive community. You know, I, I was trying to put out a ton of content to keep people engaged and, and optimistic, um, but that was a real tough time for I think the the entire TTC community because people were just at a wit's end as to what that was going to mean you know for some people it was the end of the road um and that was really hard to watch and to 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 try and cons- consult people through that real dark dark time mm-hmm. um throughout everything what has been the um sort of a pleasant surprise um the pleasant or like a win like oh yeah this felt like a win do you know what i'm gonna i my husband doesn't get enough credit um and this whole experience and doing what we've been doing has made my marriage so much stronger and made me appreciate just how incredible my husband is and how supportive he's been. Because when we set up Two Dads UK in the beginning, he thought I was mad and he was like, oh, come on now, he's quite private, didn't really want our family out there, certainly didn't want our kids on social media. And he had faith. And I said, look, just if we can just help one person have a family, um, just trust me, I think I think this will be really good for people and it will give people a real sense of um that someone's got them and he thought I was bonkers but absolutely supported me and we not only built a new life because of it but we've managed to help hundreds of people achieve what we've got and the joy that we get from that email or from that message is is just amazing and I think the sense of um community has really bowled me over Um, And he's just been phenomenal and supported all of my crazy decisions to do bonkers things to to inevitably to to help other people. What advice do you have for, you know, folks that are in the LGBTQ community looking to pursue surrogacy in the UK? Um, I would say, you know, surrogacy is not a sprint. This is a complex path and do your research, take your time, do what feels right, speak to organisations and speak to independent groups as well if you want to go down that route. Um, But you have to do what feels right for you. There are so many opinions, as we all know, within the trying to conceive world. 
Um, not all of them will come from a kind place. Um, so do what you feel is best for you and certainly don't feel that you're being coerced into something that makes you feel uncomfortable. Beautiful. How, I mean, how can people follow and support you um, and the work that you're doing and listen to you and come and have brunch with you at an expo? Please, please share. All of the above. Right. Okay. So you can follow us on Instagram, which is twodads.u.k. So twodadsuk. And we have a website for two dads, which is twodadsuk.com. Um, you can follow the Modern Family Show um, on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, um, and you can visit the website. Um, the new website is under construction due to be released in mid-December, and that is the modernfamilyshow.com. And then you've got My Surrogacy Journey, which is mysurrogacyjourney.com, and all of the social links for all of the um, handles are all on each of their websites. Um and yeah, you know, reach out to us, say hi. I'd love to, to hear, you know, we've got some great things coming to the US. Um, we're going to be doing some great stuff with the Modern Family Show um, that will be coming to the US. That is being announced. The exact location is being announced in December. And uh, we're so excited to do that because it's never what we're doing for this show has never been attempted before in the US. And we are thrilled to be doing it. Oh, that is so thrilling. Well, best of luck. I um I can't wait to hear where your location is and to try to go. I love what you guys are doing. Thank you so much, Michael. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Millie. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Me, Myself, and Millie. Follow us on Instagram at Me, Myself, Millie for more podcast updates. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe and share on social media. A special thanks to my husband, Rowan Brooks, for technical support and Cal Reichenbach, who did all the music you heard in this episode. You can check him out at calzonemusic.com. Thanks, cutie bums, and see you next week. 